the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Gold is a better. The following program is sponsored Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. The one that has justified you and the one that has sanctified you will someday at the day of Jesus Christ glorify you. Because as William Hendrickson says in his comedy in Philippians 1 6, God never does anything by halves. If he started a work in you, he'll complete a work in you. The God that justified you is the God who is sanctifying you, is the God who will glorify you. Are you feeling discouraged by a stressful situation that doesn't seem to have a solution? When we're in the middle of a long-standing trial, it can be hard to hope for better days ahead. Welcome to Know the Truth with pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. Today we're continuing our study of Philippians chapter 4 to discover the hope for tomorrow that can change our lives today. Learn how to put your focus on God and lay claim to His promised victory. Philip's message now is titled, Better Days Ahead. Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher of a bygone era, and he traveled throughout the United Kingdom. He visited Ireland and England beyond his base there in London. He often found himself on the European mainland, and he tells us that he was obliged at times to stay in hotels that were rather crowded and cramped. He would often come late to the place where he would stay overnight and it was full up, and so he kind of got what was left over, and it was often crowded and it was often cramped. But he would often say to those who were part of his traveling party, Oh, never mind, we're off in the morning. What does it matter for one night? In fact, recounting in his sermons that very thought, he made this application. So, as we are soon to be gone and the time of our departure is imminent, let us not be ruffling our tempers about trifles. That's the Victorian way of saying, let's not sweat the small stuff. Let us not be ruffling our tempers about trifles, nor raise evil spirits around us by finding fault. Take things as you find them, for we shall soon be up and away. I hope you get what he's saying. Do you get his perspective? It's a good one. Why get all stressed out about bad accommodation when you know that it's only a night and it's temporary, it could be worse, and it'll soon be forgotten when you're in a better hotel or you're back in your own home in your own bed? It's a good perspective. And it's a wonderful application because he applies that to Christians who are traveling through this world to a better place. And here's what he's really saying. Why should Christians get all stressed out about this temporary life? 
about its discomfort, about its difficulty. We know that Jesus is coming back soon, and we shall soon be up and away. There's coming a day, imminently, when the believing will be leaving this old world. And that allows us to say to any circumstance we're in, never mind, we're off in the morning. What does it matter for one night? Christians can chill out because Christians will someday check out when the believing will be leaving. Our troubles are temporary. This world is not our home. There are better days ahead. That's Spurgeon's perspective, and it's a good one, and it's Paul's perspective here in Philippians chapter 4, because here he's promoting a life absent of worry. Here he's promoting an endless joy in Jesus Christ. Here he's promoting peace that can be found in a relationship with God, a peace that surpasses human understanding. And as he promotes peace, and as he promotes inner calm, Paul encourages us to live with a conscious and a continuous anticipation of Jesus' soon return. That plays in to living joyfully, peacefully, and worry-free. The Lord is at hand. That's the next argument. The Lord is at hand. Why let stress get the upper hand when the Lord is at hand? The thought of heaven should allow you to deal with stress on earth. Spurgeon was able to take things as he found them. Arriving late, perhaps somewhere in France or Germany or Belgium or Denmark, finding that the hotel is crowded and he gets the smallest room. It's cold, it's damp. But he says, what of it, fellows? We're gone in the morning. It's only for one night. And that's a wonderful perspective on life. And Paul encourages us to have that perspective here. Problems and pressures can be better handled when there is an end in sight and when we have the hope of better days. You know what? This is a fourth argument for less stress. If you've been following, you'll notice in verses 2 to 3, he encourages the practice of reconciling. In verse 4, he encourages the practice of rejoicing. In verse 5a, he encourages the practice of relenting. And now he encourages the practice of recognizing, anticipating that the Lord is at hand. See, Jesus coming is another reason to be stress-free. Now, this idea here, the Lord is at hand, isn't grammatically tied to the verse that precedes it or the verse that succeeds it. And so the thought is that Jesus' return is reason enough to pursue peacemaking, to rejoice in the Lord, to graciously put up with pagan hostility, and to live worry-free. The near return of Jesus adds emphasis, energy, and earnestness to all these exhortations. So we want to come and consider that. Consider this idea that the Lord is at hand, that His coming is just around the corner. And if that's the case, then we are best suited to take things as we find them in life, not to stress over those things and not to ruffle our tempers, as Spurgeon would say, because we're off in the morning. Now, before we look at this verse and some other verses in this letter, someone might ask me, can this not be interpreted as the Lord is at our elbow? that wherever we are, we enjoy His presence and His company. 
And some have taken it that way, and some translations actually come out that way. And it's true, there is a debate here among Bible scholars and Bible teachers. Is the Lord is at hand? Is that spatially true or chronologically true? Is it an issue of space or time? Now, if it's spatially true that he's at hand, he's at your elbow, that means he's at your side, and wherever you go, you enjoy his company. And by the way, that is a wonderful thought, isn't it? That he will never leave us or forsake us. And you know what? If you and I embrace that thought, that lessens stress. Because wherever we are and whatever we're facing, we're not alone. We have His strength. We have His grace. We have His power made available to us. And so that's a wonderful truth. When June and I were leaving with our three daughters, age five, three, and one, it was wonderful to know that the Lord was going with us to America. We were leaving all that was familiar. It was a step of faith. There was some anxiety involved with it. And the evening of our farewell service, Alec Judd, the president of the Baptist Union of Ireland, spoke from Psalm 139. And in Psalm 139, the opening verses, the psalmist tells us that God is in front of us, God is behind us, and God is beside us. And he wanted us to know that. In fact, I'll tell you the words he used. They were very beautiful. He said, Philip and June, God is behind you using your yesterdays. God is before you planning your tomorrows, and God is beside you enriching your todays. We tucked that away, and that certainly alleviated some of our fears and our anxieties. It is a wonderful truth to know that God is in our yesterdays, in our todays, and in our tomorrows, that he will never forsake us. But While that is a possible interpretation, I don't think it's the best one. I'm running with the idea that this is chronological in terms of its meaning. The Lord is at hand in time. His coming is near. His return is soon. And when you and I understand that, that will indeed bring a perspective to our lives. The reason I would say that is scroll up to verse 20 of chapter 3. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things. Now look at chapter 4 where we are. It begins with the therefore. Paul now carries on this thought. Therefore, my beloved, in the light of Jesus' return, my crown and joy be steadfast in the Lord. Then he goes on to give us this series of imperatives and commands And it would seem to me that in verse 5, the Lord is at hand, could well be tied into verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which our King, our Master, our Lord is soon returning. Therefore, live in the light of that. You're a night post of heaven here on earth. And so live as citizens of heaven. Realize that, you know what? Before long you'll be up and away. And if that's the case, don't stress out unnecessarily, unhealthily. Be at peace because the Lord's coming back, the Prince of Peace, to take you to a place of peace. So let that bring some peace to your circumstances. Now, I want to also make an argument that I think the Lord is at hand is a verse about the second coming because You might be surprised to reread Philippians and find out how many verses 
deal with the second coming. So what I want to do is kind of take us on a little tour through the book of Philippians and notice the verses that deal with Jesus' second coming and what that ought to produce in our lives, what that ought to teach us in terms of responses and let that bring about a change in our lives. C.S. Lewis was right when he said, Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, and the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Here's the first thing. It produces confidence. It produces confidence. Now let's go to chapter 1. Verses 3 through 6. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ is the return of Jesus Christ for his church. So the return of Jesus Christ for his church has here produced a confidence in Paul regarding the final perseverance of the Philippians. He believes that God will land them safely on heaven's shore. He's sure about them landing safely on heaven's shore. You see, when Jesus comes to the Ur and calls his church home, that will signal the capstone on God's saving work on each of our lives, when we will obtain final salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8-9. What do I mean, final salvation? Well, do you know that your salvation is spoken of in the Bible in three tenses? There are three stages to your salvation. We tend to reduce salvation down to the idea of the night we got saved, the night we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we were given the promise of heaven. And we came to realize that from that moment on, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We're not going to hell, we're going to heaven. And that's a wonderful thing. That is certainly a wonderful understanding of salvation, but it is very limited. And it has you at the front end of salvation. Because the Bible talks about us being saved, becoming saved, and ultimately the fact that we will be saved. We are saved, being saved, will be saved. Let me give you the big theological terms that go with that that you need to start thinking through. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Those whom he justifies, he sanctifies. Those whom he sanctifies, he will someday glorify. Let me talk about that a little bit. In fact, you've got the three tenses here in the very passage we're talking about. Paul talks about in verse 5, the first day, and then he talks about now, and then he talks about the day of Christ. He talks about the moment they got saved. He now talks about the fellowship that they're enjoying and partnership in the gospel as they are increasingly saved. And someday, God's going to put a capstone on all of that where they will be completely saved. What is justification? Well, it's when God declares us righteous. 
The moment you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, there is a change of status. There is a change of standing in our relationship to God. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer at a distance to Him. We've been brought near and we have been declared righteous. Christ's righteousness has been given to us. That's why Paul will say in Philippians 3 verse 9 that when the final day comes, I want to be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. I've got to be clothed in Jesus' righteousness, not the rags of my own good works, because they're filthy in God's sight. But I want to be robed and clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That happens instantaneously instantaneously, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become justified, declared righteous. You're now righteous before God through the gift of Christ's righteousness to you. A bit like marriage. Once the pastor pronounces you man and wife, at that moment, you're no longer single, you're married. That's a change of status. Then the implications of that will be lifelong. And that will take work. And loving one another and working the promises out. But in the eyes of the law, you have changed category. You're no longer single. You're married. Justification. You're no longer unrighteous or sinful. You are before God righteous and perfect through the righteousness of Christ. That doesn't increase and it doesn't change. I'm as justified today as a member going to be. Then what follows is sanctification. Big word means set apart. We're now God's. Just like I'm June's and she's mine. And there's a change going to happen. Our status changed, but our lives and our behavior now are going to change in this relationship. Same with God. We're now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And God means to change us into the likeness of His Son. That's His purpose in salvation. Salvation's much, 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 much more than a get-out-of-jail card where you escape hell and the judgment of God. No, it's more than that. You're going to be made conformable to Jesus' image. And the Spirit of God begins to convict you about your sin, begins to prompt holiness in your life, and the old person that you were begins to become a new person. And that's progressive, and that's called sanctification. And that will go on to the moment I die, and it will go on to the day that Jesus comes for me. And the moment I die, the moment Jesus comes, that work will always be incomplete. I'll be more than I ever was. I should look less and less like myself and more and more like Him. The past will be the past, and the future of likeness to Jesus Christ will direct our present. But that will be incomplete, so we await glorification when God will redeem our body and our spirit and make them perfect. There'll be no civil war within our being. We won't be fighting our flesh. We won't say with Paul, the good that I would do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. That conflict will be over. We'll be saved to sin no more will be perfect. And that's what Paul's talking about here. I'm confident that the one that has justified you and the one that is sanctifying you will someday at the day of Jesus Christ glorify you. Wonderful. There's confidence there. I like what James Montgomery Boyce says of this verse. That which has been truly inaugurated will be certainly completed. That's why our forefathers talk about the perseverance of the saints. Those who are truly saved will never fall away. That which has been truly inaugurated will be certainly completed. 
Because as William Hendrickson says in his commentary in Philippians 1.6, God never does anything by halves. If he started a work in you, he'll complete a work in you. The God that justified you is the God who is sanctifying you, is the God who will glorify you. I love that. Paul's confidence was not in the Christianity of the Christians, but in the genuineness of God. God is faithful, able, trustworthy, and is both the author and finisher of our faith. Now, we're not passive in this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, says Paul in Philippians 2 verse 12. But notice what he says, for it is God who works in you. Salvation is of the Lord. And the God who saves you will keep you will do a work in you that will make you more and more like Jesus Christ until finally you really look like him when he comes back and we are made like him, right? First John 3, verses 1 to 3. To help you conceptualize this, let me share something I heard Stephen Alford, a great Baptist preacher, share in a conference in Northern Ireland. I've shared this a few times before, but for some of you it will be new. To understand justified sanctified, glorified. He says, imagine a ship not too far off the coast. There's been a fire in the engine room. It's now listening, taking in water. The captain's given the order to abandon ship. They've called, you know, the coast guard and a rescue vessel has been sent. The rescue vessel arrives as the boat continues to list. The fire is now spreading throughout the hull of the ship. It's in grave danger. At that point, the sailors get off the sinking ship into the rescue vessel. And at that point, Stephen Alford said that day in Belfast, at that point, they're saved. That's justified or justification. They're now off the sinking ship. They're not going to perish. They're in the rescue vessel. They're saved. Justification. Now the vessel, the rescue vessel, turns around from the sinking ship and heads towards shore. Now they're being saved. They're saved, yes, but there's more saving to be done. They're now being brought to the harbor, to the land, to be reunited with loved ones. Now they're being saved. And then as they come into the harbor and come alongside the quay, their vessel docks and they get off the vessel onto the shore. Now they're completely saved. Now they're glorified, would be Alford's point. You see, God saved us from sinking into hell and the fires of hell through justification. But the saving work of Jesus Christ doesn't stop there. He's continually saving us and putting the old life behind and the new life increasingly takes hold. And someday he'll land us safe on the shore of heaven where we'll be completely saved. That's Philip DeCourcy here on Know the Truth. Today we're learning that the Christian life is lived one day at a time, and we're grateful to be walking alongside you each weekday and on weekends. You can learn more about our ministry when you visit ktt.org. Now as we wrap up this second week in our series called Less Stress, it's our prayer that you're experiencing more of God's peace than ever. But we know it's a process, and each month we make valuable resources available to help you on your journey. And today we're offering Paul David Tripp's devotional called A Shelter in the Time of Storm. With 52 meditations on Psalm 27, this book is a rich treasure of raw and honest reflections. Request this deeply encouraging devotional when you invest in the ministry of Know the Truth. You can give online at ktt.org or call in your donation to 888-644-8811. 
But don't delay. We can only make this book available for a few more days. You can also request Paul Tripp's devotional when you sign up to become a monthly Truth Ambassador. Truth Ambassadors are friends who have benefited from this ministry and want others to know the truth through Philip's teaching. As a listener-supported ministry, our only sponsors are people just like you. So become a monthly Truth Ambassador today when you go to ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. Now, if you prefer to send a check, address your envelope to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And don't forget to sign up for Philip's email devotional called Truth Matters. You'll be encouraged weekly as these devotions are delivered right to your inbox from the desk of Philip DeCourcy. Subscribe online at ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, wishing you a great weekend. And then be sure to come back next week when Philip DeCourcy continues our study in Philippians. That's Monday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. WAVA's Chris Roth here. Now, why haven't you called 50 Floor yet? Isn't it time you picked up the phone to schedule your appointment? Now, the kids are going to be out of school before you know it. Why not get your floors done now while they're still in school? Get your floors ready for your summer entertaining. 50 Floor's process is so simple, so easy. They'll bring the showroom to you with a wide variety of flooring options. No reason to drive all over town. Also, on the day of installation, you don't lift a finger or furniture for that matter. They're going to do it all for you. Move your furniture, take up and haul away your old floors, install the new ones, clean up and get out of there. And now until the end of the month, you're going to save big with 50 Floors 60% off sale. 60% off all carpet, hardwood, laminate, and vinyl. Spring is here, so clean and renew the look of your home with new floors. Use the promo code WAVA. You'll receive an extra $100 off. And if your balance is paid off within the terms of your agreement, 50 Floor can offer interest-free financing. 877-50-FLOOR or go to 50floor.com. Call 877-50-FLOOR. Pick up the phone, we'll be knocking at your door. Details and license here at 50floor.com. Crying. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.